George, it's it's always great to speak to you. And if one is looking toward a rejuvenation of the Republican Party, a revival of the Republican Party, and going back to those days when we at least used to be competitive in states like California, uh, not that there's any other state that's exactly like California, but if we want to rebuild Reagan's Republican Party, what's the most important thing to keep in mind? As we move uh, forward, the, the most important thing to keep in mind, I'm afraid, is that a large portion of the Republican Party doesn't want to rebuild the Reagan Republican Party. They refer to it as zombie Reaganism, and they think it's, uh, it was all right in its time, but the time has passed 40 years ago, and, and uh, we should move on. So first, we have to tell them what it accomplished, and then we have to more than that. We have to say, look, this isn't when you, when you say that the belief in limited government markets allocating wealth and opportunity and all that that that's a zombie reaganism it's also zombie medicine it's zombie <laughs> john locke it's zombie montesquieu it's zombie aristotle uh ronald reagan didn't make this stuff up ronald reagan himself was the uh, the inheritor of a western tradition of of, of classic limited government so when you turn your back on that, you're turning your back on a lot of serious people. Uh, you are. There's also the Reagan ideal of peace through strength, which uh, listening to uh, Vivek Ramaswamy at the debate would seem to be the opposite of what he believes. Let's take two things that Ramaswamy says either one of which is sufficient to disqualify him from any consideration for high office. With regard to Ukraine, he says, let's just give Putin what uh, a portion of what he has so far conquered, and I will require, that's an interesting verb, isn't it? He's going to require Putin to break his alliance with China, and uh, in, in essence, he's channeling the wisdom of Munich. It's exactly what the uh, the French and the uh, <laughs> British did at Munich. They said, let's give Hitler a portion of Czechoslovakia, what's the harm? And that will satiate him. You know, Churchill once said there's the, the people who were remaining neutral in the Second World War were the people feeding the crocodile in the hope that it would devour them last. Uh, with regard to Ukraine, Ramaswamy is uh, laying the seeds of the next war, the next bite of the apple from Putin. Now, with regard to Taiwan, he says, look, uh, uh, in my first term as president, I, President Ramaswamy, will achieve for the United States chip independence, independence with regard to the manufacture of the most sophisticated microprocessors. After that, he's saying to President Xi of China, you can have Taiwan. We'll have no further use for it. Go ahead and gobble it up. These two positions on Ukraine and on uh, Taiwan are a recipe for a, a world of carnivorous autocracies, and it's exceedingly dangerous, and a violation not just of Reaganism, it's a violation of all prudent policy since Harry Truman, Dean Acheson, and the others, honorable Democrats, put in place co the collective security that kept the peace and won the Cold War. 
Okay, in, in speaking in terms of winning or losing the Cold War, uh, you've written about this, and uh, it's one of the great mysteries of the moment, which is that um, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy uh, says repeatedly that President Trump is the greatest president of the 21st century, meaning he's greater than uh, President Bush or President Obama or President Biden. But uh, he believes he's a great president, and at the same time, he wants to replace him as the Republican standard bearer. Uh, how does he move forward while resolving that obvious contradiction, or is he really running just to be vice president? Uh, I think the chance of him being, say, Trump's vice president is uh, negligible. Uh, Trump would would uh, is probably going to want to have a woman, and there are a number of women eager to fill that role. Uh, I, I don't get what Ramaswamy thinks his future is in this. Maybe he's looking to uh, 2028. He will have he will have built up a base. I think it's interesting that after the first poll taken after the debate, where he was prominent and had certainly more than his fair share of the time, showed a negligible bump in polls. That is within the margin of errors. I think people found him interesting, they found him combative, and they found him, a great many people did, flippant, uh, childish, insulting. I mean, to say to the, the eight distinguished people on stage, to refer to them as, he said, I am the only one up here who's not bought and sold. I mean, the gratuitous insulting. Now, that's, of course, part of his heroes, Mr. Trump, and that's what Mr. Trump specializes in, which is kind of third-grade elementary school playground taunts. But the American people, I think, might just have had enough of that. Yeah, well, Trump said that he thought that Ramaswamy had won the debate. If Republicans want to win, and let's assume that we do, and uh, to replace Joe Biden with a Republican president, who, which combination of candidates or which are the candidates who stand out as possible potential winners in this election? Well, first I have to give my full, full disclosure here. My wife, who was Ronald Reagan's White House Director of Communications and has worked for a number of Republicans over the years, is working um, as a senior advisor to Tim Scott's campaign. I think very highly of Tim Scott. I think highly of the other South Carolinian in the race. I think uh, Nikki Haley was an excellent governor uh, and uh, showed real uh, spirit in dressing down Ramaswamy during the debate, in taking on, uh, in the second instance of truth-telling, saying the Republicans are fully complicit in the reckless spending that has put us on, on a road to fiscal ruin. And third, she did the unthinkable. That is, she explicitly uh, went after Donald Trump, saying he's the most disliked politician in America. And uh, I, I think that shows what, what we call, it's, it's, we see so little of it, it's hard to recognize, it's what we call leadership. Don't uh, you think Pence she could, a, Mike she... Pence had a good debate, and, and Lord knows President, Haley, uh, President uh, Chris Christie would be entertaining. <laughs> and uh, don't you think particularly watching Nikki Haley... Uh, I just kept thinking how wonderful it would be for her to actually debate Joe Biden. 
but uh, we will get to that. There's more with uh, George Will coming up. He is the author, most recently, of American Happiness and Discontents, The Unruly Torrent, uh, 2008 to 2020. There's been a list compiled over the Daily Beast of the 11 wild things that could happen in the 2024 election. Which of those does George Will believe to be even vaguely possible? We'll get to that and more coming up on The Medved Show. Speaking with George Will, uh, the author most recently of American Happiness and Discontents, The Unruly Torrent, 2008-2020, just released in paperback. And uh, George writes his twice-weekly column on politics and domestic and foreign affairs. He's a multiple Pulitzer Prize winner and more. Uh, George, uh, right now, do you, do you uh, agree with what is forming as the conventional wisdom that particularly if he ends up running as a convicted felon, that President Trump simply could not win the election in November? President twice and uh, not received a majority of the votes cast twice. Uh, who, Michael, in this country is undecided about Donald Trump? I mean, <laughs> what are we talking about? We're going to have this campaign sound and fury all over the country to, to get, what, nine people who are movable at this point? It's absurd. Uh, I, you can't say that he can't win because you can't be sure that that Joe Biden isn't going to walk across the well-manicured White House lawn to the helicopter and fall down. Uh, I'm not being flippant and I'm not being callous. I'm just telling you that's a that's a real possibility. Mr. He, he is his cognitive decline is steep and apparent to everyone paying the slightest bit of attention. So what can happen between now and uh, the first Tuesday after the first Monday in November 2024? My goodness, that's a long time. And uh, in terms of the things that could happen, uh, there's a writer named Rothkopf for Daily Beast who put a, together a list of 11 wild things that could happen in the 2024 election. Uh, and one of the wild things is a candidate health scare. Uh, there is some argument that even if the health scare applies to President Trump, it would hurt President Biden more because people associate him with frailty and vulnerability right now, rather than I think the... that's right, and because standing next to him and looking over his shoulder is Kamala Harris, and uh, her word salads delivered with a cackle are not alluring <laughs> to many Americans. So, so where are we? You're not. Uh, I, I, as I recall, you have been critical of the uh, no labels effort to field a third-party candidate. Usually people mention Joe Manchin. That's not a viable alternative, is it? I don't know, frankly. I, I see a lot of polls, and these are by serious people and construed by intelligent people, that indicate that a third party would take more people from Biden than from Trump. That remains to be seen. I'm not opposed to new labels doing what they're doing. They're spending something like $70 million on the litigation necessary to get 
a spot reserved for a potential third-party candidate on all 50 state ballots. No label says they won't do this, they won't try and field a candidate if, uh, uh, unless the two parties nominate Biden and Trump. If it's Biden and Trump 2.0, then no labels will go ahead. They also want to know that they they will have polling that says, look, we can get there. We can get to 270 electoral votes uh, with plurality victories in enough states. They're gonna, they say they won't go unless they can do that because they do not want to throw it into the House because in the House, uh, where, where each state delegation has one vote, California gets one, North Dakota gets one, uh, it, Trump would win. That's just the way the House is and is apt to be after the 2024 election. So uh, I think it's, it's at this point, it's useful to put the fear of God in the Democrats and in the Republicans by saying that this uh, third party candidate might be out there. And uh, anyone uh, come to mind other than Joe Manchin? Yes, Chris Sununu of New Hampshire. He's cheerful. He's young. He's libertarian. Uh he was on and, our show uh, yesterday. He'd be fun. Yes, uh, absolutely. And and a wildly popular governor who, uh, e- even as a late entrant, might have some impact in the New Hampshire primary. On another subject closer to your heart, uh, this has been an extraordinary baseball season. I mean, even leaving aside Shohei Otani, but maybe with him especially, uh, the Mariners have won 20 games so far in the month of August. Uh, there is uh, all kinds of amazement about uh, that achievement. Uh, and you, meanwhile, are very skeptical toward college football for all your love of baseball. Why does baseball deserve your affection and devotion more than college football? Because, uh, well... Uh a number of reasons. Let me count the ways. Beginning with baseball doesn't give you uh, uh, concussions that uh, dispose an enormous number of the participants in football to cognitive decline, senescence, early Alzheimer's, and, and suicidal behavior. Um, the human body's just not meant for football. But leave that aside, which is a big thing to leave aside. College football, um, what gave it its charm and its Milan was regional rivalries, Oregon, Oregon State, Southern Cal, UCLA, uh, Ohio State, Michigan. Now you've got uh, the Pacific, you've got conferences that expand from Rutgers to Pasadena. I mean, for Pete's sake. And we know they're only doing this to maximize television revenue. Uh, When you graft a multi-billion dollar entertainment industry, which is what college football is, onto institutions of higher education, you get absurdity. And uh, I actually like what's happened this summer because I think if it's going to be absurd, it ought to be really absurd. And uh, (laughs) they've certainly gone out of their way to make that happen. And uh, your guess for the World Series, is it uh, the Mariners and the Braves? Well, the Braves are... Look, October, a short series, best of five, best of seven is is a realm of randomness. But the Braves are the best team in baseball. They ought to represent the National League. Uh, 
I'd like to see the Cubs do that, but they'll have to probably come from the wild card to do it. The Mariners are just a fantastic story. I uh, in, until recently they just moved back east, but I had uh, three grandchildren in Seattle. The youngest of them is about a year old. His first word he learned was mama, understandably. The second word he learned was fish. No one knows why. And the third word he learned was Julio because of Julio Rodriguez. So the Mariners are just a wonderful story this year, and they're they're hot at exactly the right time. No, isn't it amazing? Uh, If they win tonight beating the mighty Oakland A's, they will have set an all-time franchise record for uh, 21 wins in a month. And then they still have another chance to beat the A's uh, in the concluding game of the series. Uh, Again, uh, baseball is a great comfort, uh, I think, to Americans who like to see some consistency and connections with our past. Uh, Baseball is unique in honoring its past for two sports, isn't it? It certainly is. The great late Civil War historian Bruce Catton said, Baseball is the greatest conversation topic ever invented in America. 